0: sisters in music, Together We Are Stronger. My guest today is a multi-talented artist currently exploring the music world from Vienna, Austria. She is an accomplished dancer, pianist, violinist, actress, and so much more. Please join me in welcoming Siren Wang. Sharon, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to Mixin It. How are you?
1: Nikki, I'm so honored to be here with you. I've been looking forward to this for like a very long time, as you know. And so I'm just really excited to be part of the show and um, to have finally connected with you.
0: Yes, and I feel the same way and I'm really excited to have you on and we are going to talk about so many things and we're going to get started with uh you telling a little bit about yourself and how you got started in music.
1: Okay, so I think this goes back to when when I was still a child, as so many of um I guess who we are traces back to. And so when I was very little, I like watched I guess TV shows about fantasies and then I read fairy tales, and I just always, I think, my head was just always in another space. And um, and then with dance and song and then music, so I started to really have like a solid instrument when I was five. And at the time, it was, it was more default than choice. Um, I think I maybe I always wanted to play the violin, but then what I had at the time was like a double manual keyboard in the house that we were living in, my parents and I. And, um, and so, because we had moved around a few times already, so the piano became like my toy, essentially, it became like my toy, my sibling, my everything, and um, and so slowly but surely, that became like the only really constant in my life and um yeah, I don't I think aside from maybe a year of not having it um and a year maybe of not of choosing to stay away from it. I think it's been pretty constant in my life. Yeah.
0: That's fabulous. And I know that what well, you just mentioned that you moved around quite a bit when you were mm-hmm. growing up. It sounds like you, you know, became quite nomadic if you will at a very young age. Yeah. And you've also traveled quite a bit where would you consider home
1: so this is a thing that i i think i'm still exploring after like i guess many many cycles around the sun um when i was younger i think i was always looking for that space And then once I actually, when I was 18, I read this book called Parallels and Paradoxes by Barenboim, Daniel Barenboim, and Edward Said. And at the time I was studying politics and music, so it worked really well to what I was studying. And I remember on the first pages of the book, it said that home is where you make music. And at 18, I really took that to heart and I kind of. You know, took that to not not really to be my motto, but because I was looking for a home for so long, and uh, and when I read it, when I read that, it really resonated with me, and um, and I really I think I just took that and I ran with it. But the thing is, like I was always looking outside, I was lo- always exploring, I was always looking at like the next gig where I'm going to be, and I always kind of tied it to a location with a purpose. So like a location with music, a location with something meaningful. And that's kind of been my MO for like the next decade and then some. And then I think home, you know, I still am searching for that. I feel that feeling the longest place I've been in is New York. And I feel like a a sense of belonging to New York more than any other place that I've been to. Um, I think recently I told someone that, like, because this person described New York and L.A. being fire cities, and I think my response was like, yeah, New York is like heaven and hell and everything in between, and even when it's hell, I know where all the hiding places are. I feel like I could be, like, there and be okay, even when it's really, really bad. You know, so that's kind of the attitude that that I've had all these years. But then I've also, you know, other people have told me like home could also be like a feeling. Like if you have home within yourself, you know, if you have home there, then you're always going to be at home instead of searching for things and maybe falling for the wrong things. And I find a lot of wisdom in that. And then there's also, you know, another person said to me, another close friend said to me, like home, you can also, it could also be like a person instead of a location or a thing instead of a location. And so I think because I've been so geographically, like, driven, um, these ideas, these concepts, are very new to me, and I'm very open to exploring that. But going back to what the book said, home is a place where you can make music, I think that is true still. Yeah, that still holds true.
0: I would definitely agree with that. And I have had many, many conversations with other artists and other musicians and and people that make music and we all come back to music is very, you know, universal. It is the one thing. We may not all like the same thing, but it is one of the few things that we all have in common and that is universal it you know it it helps healing it helps with emotion it helps um you know in so many ways and so home is where you make me I love that saying that is absolutely a beautiful beautiful saying and that's a wonderful methodology to live by so I envy that you can do it that way (laughs) Because I know that uh, uh, I you know, it sounds like you've been all over the place.
1: Exploration. Yeah, yeah, it really has been. And I don't know if it needed all that um, journeying. Maybe it did. I'm not sure. But I think from all those years of looking externally, I think now I've learned to look internally, to look at a place where, like, I think home is a place where you can be yourself, you know, like, be yourself completely who you are and be able to be, I think, accepted and supported. And I think for yeah. artists, it's odd because a lot of people become artists because the home that I guess most of them left uh, were not so great. And um, and so there's that, I think, association to home as well. It's like we leave a home to look for like a truer home. And so there's always mm-hmm. that as well. But I think... Yeah, a home is a place where we could truly be who we are and be comfortable. I think it's a place where we can be comfortable with being who we are. I think that is, uh, for me, I think that is the key. Because in some places, like, you know, in the homes that we put a label on, like it's a home, like we're not truly comfortable there um, being who we are as we are. So I think, for me, like home is a place where you can... Comfortably be who you are and create. I think that's really important, yeah.
0: I agree with you 110%. So navigating through the uncertainties of an artistic life, I mean, obviously being a musician, even an actress, even a dancer, you know, any type of uh, form of artistic
1: expression. How important Mm -hmm. is it to you to have your own work so important. Um I think more and more important I feel. So when I was younger and in school, I think I think for us like being in the arts, being in conservatory, being in school, there's like this huge huge gap from when we're in school and when we're in the industry. And having our own work, I think It's been said to me many times, like I've heard it so many times, even from when I was in school, like having your own work is super important. But when I was in school, you know, I was on other people's projects and like, sure, when I studied composition, like that was my own work. But, you know, when I studied piano performance, when I studied acting, it was not my own work. It was other people's work. And I was just interpretive. Like, you know, I wasn't a creative person. I was an interpretive person. And there was so much work that was in front of me where I was just interpreting. Um, and I think unless, I think unless you have, you're forced to come to the point where like you have to create your own work, I think there is a comfort zone where you're just taking on other people's work, you know, and that can develop into a comfort zone. It could, You know, you could be in that zone for years. I was in that zone for years. And for a while, I was just so busy with building other people's work and being a part of other people's work. It's not that I didn't have my own things to say. It's just that I didn't have time to say the things that I really wanted to say. And I think the other realistic part of the industry is that I think you take on work that comes your way because work is so few and far in between. And so that kind of, it's not the ideal setup. I wasn't born into the industry. I didn't have family in the industry. Um, I chose the industry and the industry is kind of really unforgiving. And so I think with picking and choosing the people that you want to work with, the projects the projects that you want to be involved in, these are all they're kind of part of what you're saying as well. And then to always think, like, what are, what message are you sending with this? Is this just to pay a bill? Or did you, do you want to have, you know, a say about something? Like, what do you stand for? What are your values? Do these align with your values? I think that also comes later as well. But I remember because, so when I was in school, I was like top booked across the board and it was really gratifying. But the thing is, like, when you then enter the industry, like, it it was really depressing for me, because then I didn't have, like, work at all, and then maybe I had, like, one thing to look forward to, and, like, the next month, it was really hard, and then, and then at the time, too, because I was so young, I didn't really have much to say, either, and I think over time, when you, like, I think you say the things that you really have to say, so when you develop your own point of view, when you have your own, I guess, your own, things to offer, it empowers you in a way that no other job from anyone else could do. And I think that's a very powerful thing. And that's also like a turning point, a pivoting point in, I think, who you are as an artist as well. And I think when you look at the, you know, the really successful artists in the industry, they're not just interpreting other people's work. You know, they're actors turned directors, actors turned writers, you know, musicians turned producers they all mm-hmm. have their own platform they, i mean like you have your own show right you can choose whoever you want to be on you know i like even for me like i you know i think on reverb nation like i submitted among i don't know like thousands or even more hundreds of thousands of people to <laughs> Yeah, part of your show. <laughs> it was a couple right? thousand people <laughs> yeah exactly exactly And, you know, and that is, like, and that's the power of you, like, when you have your own platform, when you have your own show, because then I think you draw a different kind of energy to you as well. It's not just like, hey, like, do you want to have coffee and chat? Like, how many coffees do I have to have before I get a gig? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And that happens so often in this industry, literally. And so it's just like, if you don't, I feel like if you don't have your own work, it's almost like you have no leg to stand on. Yeah, that's how I You feel. know,
0: it's very interesting that you say that, though, because I agree to some extent, actually, uh, you know, with what you're saying, because I've always written, you know, and, and performed my own music. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm doing something a little bit opposite because I've always only done my own music. I've never... That's released incredible. any covers, and I'm just actually now getting ready to to release two of them. Only because I have found that you know, that's what like people are looking for. You know, I, I've I've noticed as of late that cover songs or interpretation of somebody else's music, you know, something unique, something different, seems to be catching on, if you will. But for the most part, I focus on my own material, my own music, and that's generally what I I release or I do collaborations with somebody. Um, But you're exactly correct. I also have branched out into doing other things as well to uh, further, you know, my creativity with the show, the podcast, you know, Sisters in Music as an organization, and then even trying to work with other individuals, you know, whether it's co-writing with them and letting them perform or, you know, lending a, a producer here and so on and so forth. So I I actually do agree with you in regards to the importance of having your own work and and I hate to say it, but sometimes I have actually looked upon, you know, artists that they don't write their own material as mm-hmm. I don't want to say not as a higher standard, but I actually have respect for artists that you know either write their own material or collaborate with other artists. I have a higher respect for them than somebody that that just does the interpretation piece. Yeah. You know, because I kind of I kind of look at that as you know, well anybody could sing you know somebody's song or anybody could, and that was one of the reasons why I decided. Not to pursue music in school because I knew mm. going into school that I would have to sing everybody else's stuff and I wouldn't be able to do mm. my own. Wow! So it's a very, it's a very really interesting. powerful. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting though because. And I do play the piano, but I'm not very good. And I'm probably not very good and don't do a lot of um, my own playing just because I don't like playing other people's songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. No, you know, I get it's it. kind of yeah. like, right with, with, you know, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, okay, great. I can learn this, but, you know, what, what is this going to get me? But anyway, I love that. It's very... Profound philosophy with you know having your own work and and being able to take your experiences and life experiences and what you're feeling and you know compose something and and project it out to the world um, and then they get their own interpretation from in that so that's that's awesome so this Thank is you. actually a great spot to share you're welcome. This is actually a great spot to share one of your songs. I would like to play Starling. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so this is an interesting piece. So I I've been like so I've been on a hiatus for music for like four years. And um this was one of the first things that I started to record and play at a cafe here in Vienna. And the bird songs I had recorded in Guatemala, which is where I spent most of the pandemic, I'm not an early bird at all, but I would uh, rise and I would like be in the best spots to capture these birds between 5 and 6.30 in the morning. And um, And so this is sort of, I guess, what is most healing for me. Um, And then when I, so it's like a gentle kind of re-entry point of music and sound and nature and just hearing what there is around us, I think. So that's sort of what's behind this, yeah.
0: Perfect. Well, we are going to play this for everyone. This is Starling by... Karen Wang <music> breathtaking. And I listened to this particular song prior to the interview. I always listen to all of the music that's submitted ahead of time, just to kind of get a vibe for things and absolutely breathtaking. Absolutely breathtaking. Thank you. You're extremely talented. It's
1: very acoustic. It's very sort of (laughs) anti-digital. It's yeah. I mean, it's not recorded on the, in the best environment. It's not in the studio. It's literally in like a on a on a piano you know, in a cafe. Um, and birds are recorded just right straight through nature. It's very um, yeah. It's I think it's just very raw and um, yes. But I do feel that it has sort of like a a different kind of tone to it because I I could have I guess digitalized it in a way and produced it in a way. Of but I didn't feel like that was direction. That was the direction that I wanted to take this in, especially as I guess as um, my re-entry into music. So it's um, I think it, it is sort of very, I guess, very raw. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I would call it very um, almost like um Analog, yeah, exactly. No, you're exactly correct. And that actually is very in now, if you will. So I I think it's a brilliant piece. No, it is. I mean, it's like really weird to sit there and say, oh, analog is very in, but it, it definitely is a beautiful, beautiful piece. So very excited to share that with everyone. So I would like to switch gears a bit. You're welcome. Switching gears, navigating through the artistic world being female, and Mm -hmm. I can certainly relate, we've all had our challenges.
1: Do you think
0: the gendered lens gets overlooked, and how have you changed the way that you work in the business?
1: Gosh, yeah, I mean, so I think this also plays into, like, the gap between conservatory and industry, right? And then I think in conservatory, there's so much focus on, like, the craft of things. Like, in acting and in music, it's, like, the craft of it, you know, um, technique, skill, all, like, the merits, artistic merit, all this. And whereas in the industry, so, like, so little of that translates, and it's so much more about, like, the packaging and the superficial and the shallowness of it. And no one really prepares for that. Like certainly for me, I didn't get like a pep talk or anything from anyone. And I think when you enter the industry as, I think, female, and I entered it before Me Too, you know, um, and so it was, I think, just a different landscape. And I think if you just look at how the whole Me movement has, Evolved, And look at how many stars have come out, like, years later, like, 5, 10, 20 years later, to tell stories about what happened to them when they were new in the industry. And, you know, I, I can't say that my journey is any different, um, but I can say that as of um, 2018, my birthday is in April, so... When I had a birthday then, I made it like I made a conscious decision where I would work female-only teams, and so it means like female-led teams. So you know, if there's like a PA on set that's a guy, like then you know, sure. But if it's, but I actively actually disengaged from projects that had like male directors, male casting directors, and it wasn't so much. You know, it was just something that felt really right for me, and at the time. One person from management said to me, said, you know, like, this is career suicide for you. And I said, okay, well, we'll see what happens, right? So I continued with that, and I still paid my rent. I didn't have to do other work. I still, you know, use artistic endeavors to support myself. But the it's just that the landscape of my work just completely changed. And I think these days, if you look around, there are enough really creative, badass women doing amazing projects. And, you know, being aligned with them actually feels more empowering. It feels safer. And I think when I was younger, did did I blind myself to a lot of the sexism in the industry? Yeah, I did. And I feel bad for even saying that. But... I feel like when you're just starting out you just want to survive like you're just you just want to be booked you just want to have work you just want to I think just float and not like sink and I think to do that I feel like a lot of us we have to kind of dissociate in certain ways or put our blinders on in certain ways and I think that's, it's very prominent in the entertainment industry. It's prominent in other industries as well. And um, and I think it's just like the entire gender culture. It's like we're, we were in a different place five years ago, ten years ago, and certainly today. And I think operating within those spaces, like I remember, like I was even, like, Uh, looking at an um, interview with um, Amrata the other day, and she was saying how, like, when she was in Robin Thicke's music video, and she was, like, basically molested by him, and she wasn't wasn't one who leaked the story, and she was just saying how, like, she wouldn't have been where she is today if she chose to spoke up at that moment. You know, I have mixed feelings about that, but, like, again, like, look at where her career is now, Mm -hmm. or look at where she was that day, you know? And, like, to be honest, like, I've been in, like, tons of music videos, like probably more than I should have. And not in her situation, but it's just, I could see that, you know, and I also, sometimes I said some some other times I didn't say anything, but it's just like that world of like music video girls too. Like that's also, I mean, that's one of the things that I did to just uh, like pay rent as well. And so when I look at her, I'm like, oh my gosh, we kind of had the same gigs, you know, back in the days. But I think there is, a way to navigate things and to respond to things. And there's, I think there's a timing of your response and the circumstances under which it happens, I think really shape your next steps. And so some of that is within your control. A lot of that is not within your control. And it, I think it's just like what you carry on with you. Like, do you take the lessons or do you kind of just take the trauma? You know, different people respond to it in different ways. And so I think there's definitely a lot lot of that. But now I feel like I'm more, I'm not afraid to talk about it anymore. And I'm not blind to it anymore. I see it. I can talk about it. I can label it. I can call it out in a way that I wouldn't have been able to, like when I first started. So I think that's, I think that's my journey. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it, you know, I mean, it's this is a topic that I have covered with multiple individuals. And to be honest, it's one of the reasons why I started Sisters in
1: Music with Natalie Jean. We, yeah, I was going to say, like platforms and programs and organizations like yours, like that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I gravitated to submit to your platform over others, because I was like, wow, this really resonates with my values. This resonates to where I am right now. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's, you know, and we're hoping eventually um, it's, it's you know, we've been so focused on like the podcasting and, and, and getting things, you know, up and running. But one of the things that we're hoping to do is our goal is to build a directory Of services, musicians, producers, you know, whoever it may be, whatever your role is, primarily of women. Um, you know, we don't want to be fully exclusive. Uh, our caveat is always, um, sisters in music and the brothers that support them. So, you know, men in the industry who are aware and who, Facilitate and empower, rather than you know negate and put down and, and take advantage and, and do all the other negative things that um, has been so prevalent over the past couple of years. But providing that safe place, haven for people to network, look for jobs, you know, look for collaboration opportunities and project opportunities, and know that we have. You know, vetted those people to say yes. You know, this is a safe person that that you can work with. So, I'm I'm actually I'm excited to to hear that you're you're being selective and and you're making those good choices in who you want to work with. And it's nice to hear that our mission, uh, you know, matches up with that because that's really what what we're about and what we're we're trying to do. So, great absolutely. Perfect
1: yeah, I love that, action. you know, I love that we have kind of found each other, too, because there's, um, the other day I was, I read this quote that says, the truth will not sink you, it will float you out to sea. And that just really hit me. And I just feel like, you know, it's what we say could be interpreted or misinterpreted in so many different ways, depending on who is hearing us. And just because, Exactly. You know, if it sinks us, if that's our response, then maybe we're that's just not our tribe. It doesn't mean that there's like a fault in us. It's just that we're not speaking to our tribe. And so I just feel yeah. like as long as we are truthful to ourselves, I think that will carry us onto the right path. And and you know, in, in my past certainly I have said all the right things and were they you know, completely truthful to where I was? No. And I think, but they were all, like, they were all the right things to say. And I think they carried me on different paths and paths where eventually it just, um, they were more destructive than they were helpful. And I could recognize that now, but that's also after a lot of growth as well. Yes,
0: but it definitely appears that you're on the right path now.
1: Feels like it.
0: It feels like it. Well, good for you. I'm glad. I'm certainly glad. So this is a great place to take a short break for a word from one of our partners in podcasting. It is my partner in crime, Chatting with Nat. We will be right back on Mixing It with Nikki Chris and the Sim Radio.
1: Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard.
0: And we're back on Mixing It with Nikki Chris on the Sim Radio Network and my fabulous guest today, De'Aaron Wang. Siren, before we get to the second song that you brought with you to share, I have a couple additional questions. We talked earlier that you have lived and traveled to over 40 countries over the past three decades. What have you learned from all of this?
1: Gosh, so many things. I think the most important thing, the most important possession that we have, I think as creators is just our imagination, our resourcefulness and what we have within us. And I know it probably sounds like a lot of new age kind of philosophy, um, but it's not, because everything external to us, if we assign it any value at all, I think it would then kind of power rank over us and over what we have inside. And it's just like, I think if we are, in musical terms, if you assign power of, you know, to noise, over music or to like static over music and that's kind of what it feels like I think the most important things are what we have within us and also I think what I learned as well and this is a really hard lesson for me to learn over the last couple of years is it's I think how genuine a person is isn't really marked by how long this person has known you And I think that for me was like a sad lesson as well. And it was also kind of a heartbreaking lesson in many ways because just because someone may have known you for many, many years doesn't mean that they're the best person for you. It doesn't mean that they have your best interest. And in the past, I think because I have moved around so often that I've often assigned some sort of importance by like, wow, well... I've known this person for like six years, you know, and that's got to be worth more than like one year. But it doesn't work like that. Um, And so I think it's just the quality of a person and the integrity and the values and how genuine a person is, how vulnerable the person can get. What is the capacity for someone's emotional expression? Um, I think these are the things that for me are more important than any of the other superficial things. Um, And then moving around a lot, And I think, you know, there are people, I think one of the most precious qualities of a human being is, like, our emotional capacity. Do we have it? Can we feel? Can we feel the hard things? Because, you know, you don't meet, like, the best person at a party. Like, anyone can party with you. Stranger can party with you. But it's just like when things are hard for you, you know, when there's like when you fall and like there's nobody around to catch you, who's there like to do anything to support you. And so I think because so often like I've also gotten myself into some pretty shady situations as well. And it's just like I think you you learn to look at the red flag differently. And I remember um, one of my friends asking me, like, oh, did you not see the red flags? And I'm like, well, or I think she asked, um, you get involved with these people, you know, like if they're so shady. And I'm like, well, you know, they didn't, have, they weren't labeled shady. Do you know what I mean? Like, they looked the part, they were very charming and they said the right things. And, you know, we, we met at concerts. It was all very, it, it looked, it just it looked like a ball, but it was like I don't know, like a monster ball, or like how really. But it's just what's something. I think you know. I really I recently started to write lyrics. I'm working on an album, um, where it's the first one of mine with like actual lyrics in it. And one of the lines. Oh, I how nice! Out, yeah, I actually, I would I would love to share it with you. Actually. And, um, would love one of to. Lines, yeah, I'd love to take yeah. a listener look at it. That'd be great. Yeah, I would love that. Um, one of the lines is the flags, they were bells, you know, like percussion, like fairy bells, you know, like that's kind of, cause I think like when you hang out with shady people, you can't expect very many good things to happen, but it's just like when you're kind of lured in to a fairy tale and then you realize it's a trap later on when you can't get out anymore. I think that's, that's the worst. And so, so often I think I've learned to assign different values to things. And that's also part of, I think, journey and traveling because, you know, human behavior, there's so much in common, you know, how we, I think how we pretend and, How like the facades that we put on, these are all like (laughs) cross-cultural and um, Mm -hmm. how how we lie and how similarly how we treat pain. I think they are, you know, I think these are definitely, it's like music. There are universal qualities in our human behavior that it doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what culture you come from how we respond to pain, how we respond to raw things, how we respond to real things, or how we don't deal with them. They are so similar. And so I feel like that's something that I really have um, observed and experienced from these different cultures.
0: Yeah, and I've I've heard that quite a bit as well, too, that, you know, I say music is universal, but I've always used the, the phrase, we all believe red, you know, I mean, we do. Blood is the same color. <laughs> and yeah, there are certain nuances that, you know, people get sad, they cry. We, we're all, you know, it, that's across every, every culture. You get mad, you get angry, you're in pain, you cry out. So there's a lot more similarities, I think, than there are it just always seems that, you know, people project the differences more so than the similarities. Maybe we can
1: do better. Yeah, I totally agree. To... I forget where I read this from, but it it's something along the lines of, like, there are different levels of issues, right? There's, like, skin level issues. And that skin level, you see differences more than anything. But then there's, like, meat-level issues. And so that's, like, beneath your skin. That's, like, you know, a level deeper. And then you see more commonalities than differences. And then there's, like, bone level. Like, if it's in the bones, you know, if you feel like if you have, like, bone-level issues, DNA-level issues, then that's definitely There's a lot more common there. It's sort of, like, the deeper you go, the more similarities and the more commonalities you unearth from what may seem like very different circumstances. Yeah.
0: Yep. I definitely agree. Definitely agree. So before we run out of time and and can't share your second song, I do want to talk real quick about social media because (laughs) you've taken a hiatus and you've been off social media for quite some time. And yeah, I know uh, I that guess you're almost, currently off
1: almost four years now. Yeah, yeah. Which is major
0: because artists live in a digital world. I mean, everything is digital now. I mean, obviously, Reverb Nation. You're on there, and that's a that's I would definitely say that that's a safe place. I the company actually is uh, their headquarters is near where I live. And the, oh really? Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Their headquarters is located in North Carolina, and the uh, CEO is is one of the the gentlemen that I actually work with on a consistent basis when when posting our opportunities on their site. Very pleasant company, so I feel that they're they're a safe place for many artists to go in this digital world because they, they are very particular about what they put out there, which I think is great.
1: Yeah, they've been but, really good to you know, me. So, I've yeah, I've kept my profile there, yeah.
0: What are your thoughts? Because obviously, you know, for an artist these days to, I guess, somewhat grow to some extent yeah. and trust me, I'm not on all the things or I'm on them, but I don't like post as much as I should. So I can definitely relate yeah. to minimal social media, but I mean, you know, what are your thoughts?
1: Gosh, um, I feel like if it wasn't absolutely necessary, this would not be, <laughs> this would not be the year that I would choose to re-enter social media. I think it is, it speaks to how important it is. I guess how essential it is, especially with, you know, the pandemic and just being an artist in the pandemic era, everything is digital. And I feel like even when I got off, I actually, I got off in 2018. So that was a year before the pandemic even became a thing. And mm-hmm. um, so I kind of, I, I withdrew when, when actually things were going really well. For me, and it wasn't a choice at the time, it was more like I, it was just something that I had to do because all of a sudden, you know, there's like, there's account hacking, there's people using my name and being in my accounts and sending messages to other people pretending to be me. And it just, it became this fight of like, Like, I had to fight with other people to say, like, basically to tell my narrative. And for years, it's been these other people who, with the intent, I think, you know, it's also, I know who these people are as well. And it's just like, when you upset, so basically, I told myself, if you upset someone good, someone decent, at worst, you end your friendship, and you never hear from them again, and you never have a conversation again. You know, you upset them, you've done something wrong. It's the end. Mm-hmm. But if you upset someone who really just like wants revenge, then they want to make your life a living hell. And in the digital age, it's easier for them to do that than before. And yes. um yeah. And I mean, I've read so many stories, books about it even. And so what I ended up doing, um, I just retreated. You know, I hid, and I kept a low profile. I stopped performing, um, and at the time, I, I did a lot of things to pivot my artistic life. Um, I went into radio. I was on air instead of being, you know, in clubs or lounges. Um, so I did very different things, and I pivoted a lot. But what I effectively, I hid is what I did. And I think you can only hide for so long. And I also operated out of fear. Um, and I think that only can sustain you for so long. And so being a part of the conversation, I think it's like when you are healthy and I, you know, it's like these things, I'm not sure if it's talked about as much. I think maybe it's talked about more these days, the impact of like, um, especially on younger people on young females in particular, the impact of social media and even in the bullying that happens the, the kind of the harassment that you get. Um, you know, like I come from New York where you like, you walk on the street and it's like, it's not a single day goes by where you don't get harassed. Um, you kind of, you become bulletproof to that. And then online it's so much worse because somehow people become like cowards become braver through a screen. Um, yeah, and, people and hide so behind completely the social, completely different, yeah. yeah. And so I feel yeah. like without different. proper gatekeepers and people who really are there to mm-hmm. kind of look out for you, to protect you, it's a really awful, awful world. And there's so much, it's, it's well, I think there's nothing real in it, is what I think. Like, And that's still what I think of it. I think it's just a tool if you can use it as a tool. And I think it's a way, it's a platform where like, you know, if you have, it's just a way to be a part of the conversation because so much of life has moved online. And so if you want to be relevant, I feel like we don't really have much of a choice. Um But it's not like, the real world. A few of my um, other friends, they've also retreated from social media as well. And they hold similar thoughts as well. I think the entire landscape has changed. Yeah, I used to sort of like, I did all these like other contests, I met like Deepak Chopra, and then I, was, I got really excited when like um, Eckhart Tolle liked to pose and was like following me and I was really into new age stuff at the time and I was like wow this is like really cool and it's like nothing is real you know. and there's like so much fuss about nothing is real and I think it really does a number on how we value ourselves and how we value what we are output as well and I think there's a gender lens there as well because as young women I mean, it's I, I was so offended the other day, I think, when someone was telling me because I was um, reentering like as I'm planning to reenter the social media um, world. I think I was just talking about something and the response was like, well, you know, why don't you just like you can just always like, you know, not wear much and then do a dance and that'll get you more views and more followers. And I was like, you know, I
0: have heard that too, and I'm just like going, I, I have heard, been told that as well too. It's all in what you wear, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, but I don't, you know, I'm not like that, you know. So I, I right. definitely, definitely agree with that. Yeah, I mean, where I actually use the social media more as as, as a tool than you know, this yeah. is my life type of thing.
1: I so think I if think you that's really can, that's something like I think if you can use it as a tool versus being used as a tool. I think that's that's it, isn't it? The way to go. Yeah, yeah.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, in the absence of time, because I want to play the second song that you brought with you and get that out to the listeners, we are going to do that. So, could you? Please tell everyone a little bit
1: about Nubi Vagón and what it's about. So Nubi Wagon, I got the idea actually from a fashion film of the same title. And um, I was in San Diego at the time, La Jolla. I was part of the um, La Jolla International Fashion Film Festival. And um, I was there because I was nominated for Best Music there um, a couple of years. But oh, that year, I was performing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, It's... And so for, like, music for fashion films is always something quite fascinating for me because there's so many elements of, like, movement, of story, of fashion, of style. And so the winning film, the award-winning film of that year is actually called Nubi Vagon. And it means moving through clouds. So it comes from the the root. There are two Latin roots. One is Nubis, which is, like, the Latin word for cloud and vagant, like, um, which is, which means wandering. So it means like moving through clouds. And so I think for someone who is rather nomadic, um, and, you know, I didn't realize how, like how many layers of clouds there are like above. <laughs> um, and then, so anytime when I'm on a plane, I really love, my favorite part is like being between the layers of clouds. And to move through the clouds. And so there's something ethereal, there's something otherworldly about that space. And so that's where I derive the inspiration from.
0: That's beautiful. And this is breathtaking. So we are going to play this for everyone. This is Newbie Vagant by Siren Wen. i love where you're getting all of your inspiration from i think it's very philosophical and and very thoughtful where you're drawing your compositional inspiration from and it's absolutely breathtaking it was one of the reasons why i had to have you on the show because i was absolutely floored by the musical compositions that i was hearing so Very excited that we were able to share that with everyone. Anything else that you would like to share with our listeners before we sign off?
1: Gosh, I'm just so honored to be here. And as I said, I've been looking forward to this for a really long time. And and thank you for, I guess, having resonance to not just my music, but like who I am what I have to say, um, I'm super, super honored. And I think for me particularly, it means a lot more because um, the music that I have this far, there are no words. So it means more to me that you resounded to that. Um, and when I write something, I think it's it's a two-way thing for me. It's what I put out there, but it's also, there is that interpretive open space for the listener as well to kind of fill in the spaces with their thoughts, with their life, you know, to move through the clouds with their, whatever it is that's going on in their world. And I really um, cherish that dialogue as well and that space to just be together. And, um, And so it really, it means a lot that, and also just, I think for for instrumental music as well, right? A lot of people kind of, they don't give it the time of day, don't give it the time of day because it, it's instrumental, it's background, it's study music, it's whatever. And so um, it means so much to me that you did, you did sound back. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to um, share with you, like, I guess music with words, which is um, new for me. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And, uh, and just thank you for, I think, having this platform to have something like where I could see like, oh, you know, that's a platform that I want to be involved in. Like, these are people that I want to be involved with. And so I think to have, I think, such a a safe place, I think, um, is, I, I don't ever take that for granted. Yeah. So thank you for Thank you for all you do. Thank you for what you created and thank you for being here.
0: Well, you are quite welcome and you have totally made my day with those comments. So thank you very, very much. And actually, I am actually a huge fan of instrumental music. So, you know, I listen, I have several, several friends in the industry that that's their primary uh, outlet is instrumental music. So I'm a huge, huge fan. And Huge fan of yours as well, and I'm very much looking forward to the compositions that you're creating with lyrics, because I'm sure they're going to be just as fabulous. So, with that, thank you so much to my wonderful guest, Sharon Wang, for taking the time to chat with me today. It has been an absolute, absolute you, pleasure. Nikki. You're welcome, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Mixing It with Naked Crest. On behalf of Sim Radio, this is Nikki. Until next time, keep on mixing it.